You're listening to Hutton Orbital Radio News Digest. It's unusually quiet in the corridors outside Studio 5 tonight. Dick Chafing's chair is unoccupied apart from a small amount of rather pungent mist that hangs around what's left of the seat. Vantian's chair is still spinning from the speed that he left to go and play with his new retro toy. Nurse Wayeth has been attempting to disinfect Harry Balzac's stool and is currently looking at a note, obviously in Harry's handwriting, that says, please excuse Harry from games this week, as he has the lurgy. The remaining presenters are having to clamber over piles of scrap to move around the studio, as it seems that during Operation Hot Mess, some pilots have been delivering holds completely full of scrap, but leaving with their racks underfilled with mugs that have been fashioned from the imported metal which has resulted in a surplus of 2,000 tonnes of the stuff. Loose Knockers has been prizing up the floor panels, and Norma and Wilma have been trying in vain to stuff some of the scrap down there. Only one person appears to be calm. Commander Wotherspoon. Gaunt, haggard, starving on a diet of only Golnet news, looks at his smartwatch. Tells it where it can stick its step count, folds up his newspaper facsimile, and points ostentatiously at the control room. A red light on the desk illuminates. Wotherspoon leans forward just a little and utters the words that show that he, at least, has been paying attention. Our mics are live. Good evening everyone. Welcome to Hutton Orbital Radio News. Tonight, I'm one of your anchors. I'm Norma Snockers. And I'm another anchor, Wilma Fingerdoo. I'm without rancor, Commander Wotherspoon. And I'm a complete... Wa- uh, no, I saw what you did there, trying to get me to say something rude. I'm Lou Snockers, and I'm the soul of the show. Not my soul, or your soul, but our soul. God. I think we better get. I think we better get on with the news. <laughs> Spokesman for Lake and Spaceways hits rock bottom. Nocti celebrates the little tea leaves. Flossies. Back in one piece. Amundsen astronauts make alternative approach. You can take the girl out of the combat zone. Is it time for the comfy chair? Hutton mugs are magic. Atris 5060's in-depth analysis of the Thargoid invasion. Commander Rincewind Cymru is not going to be happy. And Norma goes on about goings on. 
on Monday, our very own apology officer led a call to arms. Not only arms, but also legs. A head, naughty bits, and a rather unsightly lump that joins them all together. To wit, the Don's dastardly pirates had attacked the Titanic Texan top trucker triumph telecasting talker, Mr. Buck Naked himself. Buck's ship was crippled and never one to reject a challenge. Buck went down on a planet. The planet Imhotian, or Emotion, depending on how you pronounce it. Number four, to be exact. A high metal content world that had just a little more metal than before, to the tune of one Lacon Spaceways Type 9, plus Buck's belt buckle. The non-cowskin space cow lay near coordinates 57.7, negative 59.1, and despite all efforts from pilots to jumpstart it or drive multiple SRVs underneath and try and move it, as if Buck's ship was part of Stonehenge or the start of a very small pyramid, the space cow, the only ship in the galaxy that has a special compartment for Buck's used tissues, lies there still. But you are not to worry. Buck himself has been rescued, along with his cargo of mugs, and the belt buckle we mentioned earlier. What no one seems to have been able to locate are Buck's space trousers, or pants, as he whimsically calls them. He claims that they flew out of the window on landing, but no one's been able to find them anywhere on the surface of the planet, and suspicions have been aroused that they never existed. Buck assures us that nothing else has been aroused and explains that there's nothing to see here and what do you expect? It's cold in space. The primary POF potterer, Major General Noctivagus, has been branching out this week and his little 3D printer has been working all the time, producing coasters as badges of honour in recognition for those people involved in teabagging at Hutton Orbital. Apparently, there are quite a few adventurous commanders who like to dip in now and then in their spare time, such as Montgomery Python, for example. But he does insist on dressing up for the part, and you have to call him Brian before he can empty his load. Even Flossie can be persuaded to take part in this activity if you ask her nicely. We salute all the Hutton teabaggers and trust that they are following the correct procedure. 1. Run your tap before teabanging. Ensure you have a good floor and don't come to the boil until you are ready. 2. Drop your bag into the waiting receptacle and give it a quick wiggle around. 3. Wait patiently. This can take 4 or 5 minutes. 4. Give it a gentle squeeze before pulling out. Don't press too hard or else you'll end up with a nasty taste in your mouth. 5. Now it's time to finish off the way you like it. Everyone is different, but remember, no cream. All right-thinking people in the galaxy breathed a sigh of relief on Monday when a royal proclamation was nailed to the gates of Flossie Towers declaring that her ladyship had received a replacement fuel rat mug after breaking it two weeks earlier. It's only a mug, you might say, but it's a little-known fact that fuel rat's mugs are integral in the process of refueling. How else do you think that the fuel gets from their main tank 
into the fuel transfer limpets. Flossie is just grateful that she no longer needs to use a siphon tube to transfer the fuel, as the fumes were making her hallucinate and see new community goals, for example. Almost two weeks ago, a small ragtag fleet of hotbox commanders led by Short Engineer 78 set off for the outer reaches of the Milky Way. The original plan was to head out to the Formidine Rift and meet up at the Zorura, an abandoned megaship on the far side of the Rift. But, of course, the plan didn't survive its first brush with the hotbox commanders. A quick change of destination sent our intrepid band out to the very edge of the galaxy. Amundsen Star is the most southerly reachable place anyone can go to. As they got closer, Short Engineer noticed something, or rather, lack of something, between their current location and the hazy end of the outer spiral arm. There was, well, nothing. Nada. Niente. Nicht. Nishto. Nout. With, at best, a 75 light year jump range, this was going to cause some issues. The plucky explorers girded their loins and decided to cross at the Formidine Rift, where the Zurara is. So, the derelict giant was back on the itinerary. After a brief meetup with a, long, a lot of ooing and eyeing, trying to look in windows and scanning logs, they set back along the outer spiral arm and have since enjoyed a pleasant evening of material gathering in preparation for the last leg of the journey. On Sunday, the merry band of windswept and interesting intrepid voyagers will set sail for Shackleton Star, the first waypoint in a series of Jumponium-fueled big jumps, which will take them to their final destination, the galactic south pole at Amundsen Star, where they hope to observe indigenous wildlife, build campfires, and sing some songs before making their way home in time for the final weeks of hot mess. For those of you wondering why parasol mollusks don't eat shard crystals, it's because they live at opposite sides of the galaxy and never encounter one another in the wild. Favourite of the Pilots' Federation, selfless fuel rat and tireless teabagger, Flossie's always maintained that she's not interested in combat and flaunts her harmless status like it's the doctrine of a new religion. Well, all that's gone out of the window, and her true nature is coming to the fore as one of her so-called alternate personalities just raised her combat rating, during what she's trying to convince us is no more than an exercise in material gathering. Oops, I appear to have gone mostly harmless in combat on Flossie 3 while doing Guardian stuff for FSD Booster, said the ravening wolf dressed in fluffy sheep's clothing. NPCs all over the galaxy are quaking in their imitation leather boots and a well-known wizarding children have decided that this may be a good time to take a break. There seems to be a change of emphasis over at Braben Towers, as recent recruitment has bypassed the usual channels of the Kamora pirates of Don Antonacci in favour of Iberian interlopers, namely the mysterious and hard to pronounce Jez Jose Harivas, 
I, I can see why you normally give cow these ones. And the slightly less mysterious and definitely easier to pronounce Bruce Garrido. We certainly didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition. We hope there's no fear of any more surprises and we're sure that they will demonstrate ruthless efficiency and a fanatical devotion to the Pilots' Federation. Unless, of course, they want to annoy the Don and wake up in the Horsehead Nebula. The quickness of the mug deceives the eye. With a plethora of prestidigitation, a cornucopia of conjuring, quieter than Raymond Teller and more baffling than David Blaine, we have shown that Hutton mugs can have mysterious properties. Commander Cometborn has reported that several stations, five at the last count, were apparently mugged as part of Operation Hot Mess, but do not actually have a commodity market anymore. Was it the radiation from an overcharged mug that was in space for far longer than a simple trip to Hutton Orbital? Is there a secret mug collector that steals the water-soluble mug, then makes sure that, no, that there are no witnesses? If this continues to spread, the galaxy's economy could collapse faster than a space line called Fly Beryllium. More news as we receive it. Good evening, truckers. Atrus5060 reporting in with the latest intel on the Thargoid War. Uh, which seems there is none this week. So in light of that, keep up the good work on curing the galaxy of mods and be ready in case of another surprise Thargoid attack. Good luck out there, truckers! And for the mug! Incoming encrypted transmission. Decrypting. Decryption complete. Stand by for a message from Hexcom. Uh, oh well, well, hey there, truckers. This is a uh, Corporal. I'm I'm Commander Took's uh, aide, and uh, Commander Took said that well, I did a, a good job on the briefing last week, and and I could just handle the whole whole thing this week. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of quiet out there. And in fact, uh, Commander Took wanted me to let you know that we're not going to do any more, uh, regular briefings and, until the situation changes. But if, if those nasty Thargoids come back, you know that we'll, we'll be there to meet them. So, um, if, if you're, uh, wanting to, to do some Thargoid combat, you, you can always go out to uh, the Pleiades or, or that uh, Witch Head sector, and they're always out there. You can find them. Um, what, one thing to watch out for, though, we did hear that there's some uh, anti, anti-Xeno pilots out there that are, that are trying to shoot you up. So, so be careful. Watch, you know, not just them signal sources, but, but also that radar. All, all those uh, squares on there, they're, they're not necessarily friendly. Oh, and, and if you want to, to to do something to help out the the war effort remember that you know we still got a lot of stations out there that need need repair supplies so you can always you know haul stuff out there and and give them a hand if you uh want some help on that you you can always talk to the them real great people over at operation ida because you know that that's what they do and and they'll they'll point you in the right direction if you need any help 
So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's it. So, so stay safe out there, truckers, and, uh, keep on defending that mug. Bye. Hexcom message complete. Defend the mug. Encrypted transmission complete. It seems the BGS is not without a sense of irony, as not only has it found the time to impose upon us a brand new state, well, new to us, it's been around for a while, we've just never suffered it, of drought. It's chosen to, to deliver this to the noble system of PSPF-LF2, fondly known as piss flaps. Yes, our piss flaps are devoid of fluids. If all commanders could stop what they're doing and devote some time to moistening the piss flaps, that would make Lael extremely grateful. Oh, and if you can throw some food and machinery into Wise, its infrastructure needs fixing. In Colonia, King Hanky appears to have everything under control, but he has declared a faction-wide diet. So stay off the Doritos and keep all your missions, data, bounties, etc. in Eol Procol Centuri and Tia, please. Over to you, my lovely Norma. There's only one community-led event this week. Commander Drew Wagar is currently running his latest law tour, showing the history of the events surrounding Salome and her demise. I'm not going to give you the link though, because the tour is going on right now, this minute, and you should be listening to this show, not gallivanting around the galaxy, following some bloke in a hat. Hot mess is still going, and Fossey will give you the details later. But notable stations to get mugged this week were What No Name Station, Chewy Dick, and Hot Hot Beacon in the Turd Woo System. Flossie here with this week's CCCG News, and it's week eight of Hot Mess, which starts today. Places where mods can flourish are getting ever fewer. We are more than 71% up with over 39,000 stations complete and nearly 14,000 systems totally mods free. We now have seven commanders who have each delivered more than 1,000 mugs and several more may pass that threshold soon. Joining Doc Jack, Montgomery Python, Alter Ego, and Time, Ra Time Raider, Commanders NEMB and Cometborn have overtaken Rincewind Cymru to take the fifth and sixth spot on the board. We've got 286 Commanders who have signed up. That's another 18 just this week. And we're running at an average of over 137 mugs per pilot. Each week the average has been increasing, so keep up the good work, Commanders, and let's make the galaxy totally safe so that we can all enjoy ACM. 
We've continued to see evidence of commanders cooperating in mugging whole systems. Commanders in small and medium-sized ships accompanying large ships to be able to reach all of the stations. Why not see if you can wing up and form a delivery wing and add some extra PWP to your day? That's all from me this week. Bye. Flossy told you what to do. Powerful People. Encyclopedia Galactica presents biographies of notable people in the galaxy. This week, Edmund Mahan. Always happiest in a suit, Edmund Mahan seems a natural in his present role. But he's in his last year as Prime Minister of the Alliance of Independent Systems, and no Prime Minister has ever been elected to a second term. Where did the Alliance's longest-serving Prime Minister come from? And why? 118-year-old Mahan has earthy roots. Born to a family of Marcorn farmers on Birmingham in the Deso system in 3187, the infant Edmund found himself a citizen of the Federation. This was because the system had been annexed 13 years earlier, following the messy collapse of the galactic cooperative Galcop. As a diligent federal student, his talents were noticed early and he had no trouble earning a scholarship to study law when he turned 18 in 3205. Early on in his studies, which exposed him to examples of corporate exploitation, Mahan became disillusioned by what he perceived as corruption within the federal legal system. Faced with the choice of keeping his head down and profiting like everyone else, Mahan decided to rebel, quietly. He switched courses, choosing to study political science and studied hard to find out how to change the galaxy for the better, using politics. He didn't get to keep his scholarship money. A stipulation of being a federal scholar is that you're a loyal federal citizen. And a requirement of being a loyal federal citizen is that you don't criticise the federal government. One of the ways you're not supposed to criticise the federal government is by uploading holovids to your personal Galtube channel, calling for Deso to break away from the Federation to join the nascent alliance. Unfortunately, that's exactly what Edmund Mahan did. So, the young Edmund Mahan became a mixologist, inventing such exotic cocktails as the Indy Manhattan, made with Neritus berries, Burnham bile distillate, and with the yellow Coup froth, as well as copious amounts of Indy bourbon. So popular were his creations that he found himself promoted to manage the bar, which meant he no longer had time to mix his amazing drinks, and the bar he managed consequently lost many of its clients and began a slide into obscurity and eventual liquidation. However, Mahan claims that he gained valuable insights into how to manage a crowd from his time as a barman, namely to give them alcohol until they stop complaining. Mahan's earliest foray into politics was to fail to be elected city mayor, a campaign that nonetheless won him widespread grassroots support as a reformer and it was on the strength of this popular support that he became part of the successful campaign led by Irene Mendel for Deso to leave the Federation and join the Alliance. The campaign took a long time. 
Mahon joined it when he was 27, and Deeso's succession coincided with the year of his 100th birthday. But it was worth the 73 years he devoted to the struggle. He became Deeso's first planetary representative in the Alliance Assembly, a post that he held continuously until his successful bid to become the Prime Minister for the whole Alliance shooting match. Strangely, after all that history, one of Mahan's first acts as Prime Minister was to refuse to help the secessionists of Lu when they called for aid during their struggle against the Federation. As he explained to seven-year-old Jessica Braganza, who asked him what his favourite colour was during a school tour of the Prime Minister's residence, the authorities in Lu put out a call for aid. And what did the Alliance do? We turned them down! That would never happen on the Hollows, would it? I would have been at the head of the Alliance fleet, taking down the Fed capship with a well-aimed torpedo up the tailpipe. But life isn't like the Hollows. You need political and legal clarity. The Alliance is rigorous, you see. You can't join a voluntary association of free systems unless you can offer demonstrable proof of your freedom to choose. After hearing that explanation, young Jessica Braganza gave up her ambition to be a politician. But dreamy hippie ex-federal president Jasmina Halsey seems to have decided that Edmund Mahan was just what she needed and managed to persuade Mahan to appoint her head of drug-induced hallucinations within the Alliance cabinet. In 3304, the Alliance unexpectedly discovered that it had a president as well as a prime minister. The previously unheard of incumbent, Gibson Kincaid, tried to persuade the Alliance to grant him executive powers. Kincaid went around killing presidential candidates, discrediting Alliance admirals and attempting to usurp power, while Prime Minister Mahan muttered, Oh dear, that doesn't seem right at all. Somewhere in the background. It wasn't until the middle of 3305 that President Kincaid had his comeuppance, and the role of President was disbanded, leaving the Prime Minister back in charge of the Alliance. Quite what will happen when Edmund Mahan steps down is not clear. What will happen to his admittedly rather pointless Retributor Heat Damage Class 1 Fixed Mount Beam Laser? What will happen to the systems he has personal control over? Who will succeed him as Prime Minister? Will he invent any new cocktails? Tune in next week for another of the galaxy's powerful people.
Well, howdy there, y'all. This here's Buck Naked, spokesman for Lacon Spaceways, back again for this week's Hutton Top Trucker. How do we keep up with your shenanigans while you tootle around in the Milky Way? Why, we install this little piece of software called the Hutton Helper in your spaceship. If you ain't already got it installed, you can install it yourself, relatively pain-free, by going to the website hot.forthemug.com. Almost as pain-free as having to speak British here in Texas, just to be understood. So let's get on to our top truckers this week. Yeehaw! From the explorers, jumping around like them noisy crickets in a field, Commander Mindwipe jumped over 45,000 light years. I heard he was scooting from recording studio to recording studio to record his duets. Y'all be sure to give a listen to him. Commander Atig 2 kept hold of the trigger finger this week, turning the despicably dirty do-batter Don into Nachi and his band of pathetic pirates into space dust. He racked up almost 33.6 million credits worth of bounties while tearing the engines out of each and every one of the Don's ships. Running missions like no other, Commander Bass Corgi, or Bass Corgi, racked in 337 mission points this week. I don't know if that's Bass as in he's a fish dog or Bass as in he's a dog that plays bass. Y'all figure it out. Loading up the new trailer attachment to the rear of a Lacon Type 9 and filling it to the brim, Commander Operation IDA hauled darn near 62,000 tons of cargo around the galaxy and consumed a bit too much coffee in the process. Taking control of the Hutton High Speed Rail this week, Commander Kremens Respite delivered exactly 4,500 passengers around the galaxy. Our fastest run to Hutton Orbital is held by Commander Brett Riverboat in 1 hour, 22 minutes, and 31 seconds. But the fastest run in this month of March is held by Commander Doc Jack in 1 hour, 22 minutes, and 49 seconds. If y'all think you got what it takes to beat these scores, then download the Hutton Helper and get to flying. You want to hear your name on this here radio station? Make sure you got the Hutton Helper installed. Pick it up on the web at hot.forthemug.com and get to trucking. And don't forget, if you do hear your name called out and you ain't already got one, get in touch with us to get your very own Hutton decal for your ship. Hutton Top Trucker, brought to you by Lacon Spaceways, the only ships in the galaxy with a book of Buck stories in the glove box. Speaking of which, I go into my local country eatery to get some lunch. Cute little waitress pops over with a hello and I say, I'd like a chicken salad sandwich and homemade chips, please. Now these homemade chips are made fresh sliced thin from the potato, seasoned, deep fried, OMG, good. Well, the new waitress brings out a chicken salad sandwich and french fries. That's when I hear the British accent in her voice. Sadly, she ain't learned American yet, 
even though she's been here for over four years. And now, in my little backwoods eatery, I'ma have to be careful and ask for homemade crisps. Y'all bastards. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. Everybody's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off?